Hello and welcome to Watch the Throne. What a lovely day. This is episode 31, The Burning Plane from 2008. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And with us today, making his triumphant return from the day the Earth stood still. Do not ask me how I pulled that reference, because I don't know how I remembered it. <laughs> First time here on Watch the Throne, we have Jeremy Kelly. Hello, Jeremy. Hey, guys. How's it going? Doing well. How are you? I'm okay. We uh, just got through a, a bit of a storm here in little Pennsylvania, but everything's okay now. There we go. So now, this was a movie that I had never heard of. Mike, had you heard of this one before we started going, or no? I had never heard of this one, and that, so far, has been a bad sign. Yes. <laughs> so I was a little worried. I mean, worried, I mean mostly worried. just watching movies for this podcast has been a bad sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the ones you don't hear about, we haven't, yes. you don't hear about them for a reason. What was strange to me, and I, I have since gotten clarification on it, was that when we were getting sign-ups from people who have been on past podcasts, and Jeremy was on our Keanu Club podcast, was that Jeremy requested to be on this episode for a movie that I had never heard of. And I was like, hmm, I wonder why. And then I asked him, and it makes sense, knowing who he is, a very big Jennifer Lawrence fan. Jennifer Lawrence in this movie, pre-Winter's Bone, Whoa, I believe. really? Yeah. No, really? Yeah. Crazy. Winter's Bone is, I think, 09. This is 08. Yeah, so this is a pre-Winter's Bone, pre-breakout Jennifer Lawrence. And so Jeremy was like, sign me up, and here we are. <laughs> I don't remember when it was, but at that time, I was just uh, looking for anything with Jennifer Lawrence, and this was... Just a movie that, that came up, and I saw it had Charlie's Theron uh, in it. As far as from that time span, pre-Winter's Bone, as you'd call it, I would definitely prefer the uh, Poker House. I've never, been, I've never heard of that. I haven't movie. heard of that either. I didn't know she had this career before Winter's Bone. I, I was just on the <laughs> Contenders episode, and I, I think I was like, yep. yeah, this is her first movie, blah, blah, blah. I know everything, and <laughs> now I stand corrected. <laughs> What's remarkable about this movie and Jennifer Lawrence in it is that she plays a young Charlie's Theron, yeah. which like, blew my mind. Yeah, I had to get used to that. By the end of the movie, I think I bought it, but that to me was sort of a I don't know if that's a I don't know if that casting is great they're both good actors and they both pull off their parts but I wasn't so sure you know what I'm saying like it was a mystery to me up until a certain point is she the same character <laughs> the movie is told in a non-linear manner yes. pattern whatever very fractured you're trying to figure out what happened who was involved why it happened I think, and this, I, I like this movie, based on Letterboxd, I like this movie less than Mike did. I think this is a well-acted movie that, as an okay story, that's told in an overly complicated way for no real reason. Hmm. I think if you played it straight through, it wouldn't, like, I understand why he told it out of order, but it just feels very convoluted because that's just what this director apparently does. Oh. He, apparently, I was reading, a, a lot of his movies are told in this sort of way where things are fractured and nonlinear and just out of order. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, he had previously written uh, Amores Peros and uh, Babel. Oh, oh, makes total this sense. This was the first movie that he ever directed. Okay, oh, okay. yeah, that makes, especially, he did Babel, I think I understand him a little better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the movie starts with a trailer on fire, and I was like, who directed this? David Lynch? Because it felt, it sound, no, it didn't feel like, it sounded like yeah. Wild at Heart or Twin Peaks. Like, it sounded like that crackling fire, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, it's about this, like, a mother and a father from different families died in this trailer fire. It's an affair, and you're like, yeah. Who was it? Yeah. And I thought, I was like, maybe it's Charlize, and maybe like this is the future, and like the Charlize in the restaurant is the past. Mm -hmm. And then Kim Basinger comes in the movie. I'm like, oh, <laughs> so that's not that's not that. And then I accidentally, not really accidentally, but I was looking on Letterboxd, and Letterboxd 
much to my chagrin. So if you go to the movie page for The Burning Plane and you mouse over actors' names, Charlize Theron plays Sylvia slash Mariana oh. and Jennifer Lawrence plays Mariana. Mm. And I was like, oh, oh that's, that's a fucking bummer. That like, that's just a spoiler in Letterboxd. And yeah. like, I appreciated that it doesn't save it for the end. You find out about halfway through that Jennifer Lawrence grows up to be Charlize Theron and things sort of fall into place there. But I was like, that's... Not cool. No. Yeah, actually, if you look on Google, if you Google it, they're dressed by different names. So at one point, I actually Googled it. I was like, oh, okay, they're not the same character because they have different names. You know what? I just, just to address like the structure of this, I kind of I enjoyed it because I think maybe for the opposite reasons you did, Joey, Like I just feel like it's such a simple story in the sense that there's not a lot really driving the plot. Like It's just this, this affair and then sort of like how it affects the son of the father and the daughter of the mother involved and then you pick up like years and years later for me what it did was like it really kind of kept me on my toes a little more i figured this is going to be presented as a kind of a mystery but there's no real detective like the audience is the detective in this case i was really sure that uh, charlise died in the trailer fire then i was positive like she was at the when the funeral comes along i was like oh she's the young j-law and i was like no that can't be i was like what is going going on in this movie and then you find out she has a daughter and it really like surprised me I was like oh she's the daughter that's how the crop dusters connected and all this stuff so that actually kind of worked for me the movie really sucked me in from the beginning with like the cinematography and the pace and I do feel like I got a not necessarily like a heavy lynch vibe but I got the sense of a director who had a style who had like a distinct style or something in mind like knew how he wanted to present something for the most part I was uh, I enjoyed it because of the it kept me on my toes whereas I think if it was told in a linear style it would still be interesting but I don't know I think it would be a little easier to tell what was going to happen I do like the uh, relationships like and this is what we've seen in, in other of his movies how the uh, selfish reckless decisions that people make can have repercussions for a lot of different people yeah that's definitely true like I really liked the Kim Basinger character like she's very complex and stuff and her actions is what caused like all the repercussions in this film and you find out that they last all the way you know into the future like you know beyond what anyone could have been prepared for really where this movie kind of lost me a little bit was more towards the end when you find out that uh, J-Law murdered her mom and the guy by accident <laughs> like kind of it was, oh it's 100% by accident yeah, yeah but she did sabotage yes. the trailer and stuff but it went too far and I was like well I, I mean I already I already got the lesson I didn't know that she needed to be responsible for that but what i did enjoy was how the son and her were sort of recreating the affair and stuff like that was interest that was the most interesting <laughs> stuff to me for the movie but but i could understand how this feels like it could drag or be just kind of stale at times i've always kind of liked movies that have a relationship like this that's kind of sweet but also really kind of fucked up like uh, it's something like let the right one in or something like that i was thinking american beauty at times with the teenage relationship just in how it's like like you said like it's kind of sweet but it, it is like demented you know like yeah. the psychology <laughs> behind the relationship is very weird and twisted and stuff like that but it was definitely something i had not like seen before 
or considered. That angle was interesting to me. The adult stuff with Charlize, she's good, but I wasn't as fond of that stuff as I was of the Jennifer Lawrence stuff. You know, I was disappointed because I feel like this type of Charlize character is the one that we haven't seen before, really. I like that she's self-destructive. I mean, I guess we're going to get this in a couple movies in Young Adult. But I like that she's self-destructive. I like that she's... I don't like this in terms of, like, a person, but I like this in terms of a character. Like, I like that she's suicidal. I like that she's got this, like, dark... She's got this baggage. And I wish that we had more time to explore with her as opposed to the past version of her. We're here for Charlize. We're not here for Charlize's character. And I understand that Jennifer Lawrence and what she goes through leads to what Charlize ultimately experiences, but at the same time, I wish that we had more Charlize sort of dealing with the repercussions in in reality, as opposed to sort of like, kind of in a way like working through her demons in the past, and then in reality, kind of just being like, oh, I'm ready to be a mother now. Like, it felt, for our purposes, a little rushed, and I think it works better as a story than what we're, what I'm saying here, but I just, I just wish that we had more time with her working through her stuff in the present day to see her because I think she's doing a really good job here and we just don't have enough of it for what I was hoping for for an above average Charlie Theron. Yeah, I almost feel like you could have uh, shown either portion of the movie as its own movie and it, you still would have gotten a, a similar impact but they don't really blend together in the best way. Yeah, I, I definitely sense that it's unbalanced. Um, I was expecting to spend way more time in the present, so to speak, with Charlize but we actually end up spending more time I think in the past uh, throughout the entire movie I think there's just more story to tell in the past I I think this could work if you told it from the adult Charlie's perspective and just flashback like a few times but I also think you could tell this from you know like you could tell the story in the past without any of the future stuff like it's strange how it how you could like rework this i don't know i wish there was i definitely wish there was more charlie's stuff especially before she uh before that guy finds her like i did i wanted to see like what else you know she got up to how she spent her time like we didn't really get her hanging out with her girlfriend all that much as i was expecting like i definitely thought they were gonna have robin tunney from prison break Mm -hmm. yeah the chef is the guy I i know him from northern exposure but most people probably know him from sex in the city but her first boyfriend who plays the chef in this i was like oh great like he'll be in this movie nope like he kind of nope. disappears. <laughs> so it is a little frustrating, you know, for us because we're here for Charlize primarily. Yep. And most of the movies that she's not in a lot are kind of bad and like it's hard to watch the rest of them. So at least this time around, I was like, well, I, I at least like the stuff she's not yeah. in. Technically, like it is her character. So it works, you know, it works a little better. It's keeping me interested because I'm looking at Jennifer Lawrence, but I'm thinking of Charlize as she's grown up. And I wonder if maybe the Charlize character, like the adult version of this woman, I feel like she's not complex enough as she's written now to really carry a movie. Like by the time that we see Charlize, she's like a hollowed out shell of a woman that she's giving her body to anybody who wants it. She's working a job that she's very good at, but she doesn't have any kind of passion in her life. The movie chooses to focus on Jennifer Lawrence because she's not this, like, shell of a person, that she is still feeling things, and that she's not cutting herself. I mean, although, to be fair, she is also broken at that age. Like, she's not cutting herself, but she's burning herself (laughs) to feel something or not feel something or whatever. But I also, I I do wonder if, if maybe they just didn't have an angle to focus on 
on Charlize as an adult, the character as an adult in when Charlize portrays her, and that's why we spent so much time with like in in the mm-hmm. past. It seems to me that there's there's too great a contrast almost between who she was and who she becomes in a way. Like it, they just don't really feel like they're the same character sometimes and for me I don't they don't really look all that much it's something in the eyes that that Jennifer Lawrence and Charlize just have very different looking eyes to me so like I couldn't really that was another thing you know I don't know I wish there was just more parallel between them like you know in the past like there's all this stuff about fire because she burns her mom in the fire and stuff and then so like she burns herself to give herself like a scar and stuff she's catching fire oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) we never see the scar on adult Charlize we see her cutting her her thigh with like a rock and I was like oh well yep. that's interesting but like that doesn't go anywhere else I wish there was more of like symbolism shared between adult and teenage like I wish she tried burning her hand as an adult I guess it's that she's she's by the sea so she's far you know she's at she's at like the opposite but I almost wish that there was more fire imagery or something to connect the two age differences because I do feel like we missed a lot. Like I don't feel like the transformation was complete at the end of the movie. I feel like she went off and then she became the Charlize that we catch up with. And so there's sort of I feel like there's almost a gap there. What is notable about this movie, I think, and about Charlize as an adult character, especially the way that the movie kicks off, is that we get Charlize nudity for the first time in a long mm-hmm. time. And this is clearly by choice. This is clearly I was she a producer on this or no? I don't know. I didn't I didn't catch that. This is definitely way different than, like, I feel like this is, like, both tasteful and gratuitous, like, at the same time, but it serves the story very well. I don't know that it's necessarily gratuitous. Yeah. I mean, the only thing semi-gratuitous is the fact that she stands naked in front of a full-body window where kids can see them as they're walking I don't think that's gratuitous, though. I think that proves that she is not, maybe self-involved is the wrong word, but she's so in her own head that she's worried about the world. She's not worried about the world Mm. around her. Yeah, I mean... She doesn't care that these two little boys and their mothers see her. Yeah. That she is devoid of emotion and sort of respect for the world that she is so broken by the grief of killing her mother and of abandoning her daughter at two days old that nothing else really matters anymore. And so I don't think it's gratuitous. I think that that's purposeful. Yeah, that that might be the wrong word for because it's as a viewer, it's just kind of shocking for me when she's, like, standing in front of the window and the little kids walk by. So, yeah, and then later on, like, you're right, like, that's kind of, that's almost like, that's like one of her techniques. I was like, later when the guy finds her, she just kind of, like, changes in front of him and, like, you know, shows off her body to him as if, like, to reel him in to say, like, this is yours if you want. It doesn't work on him or anything. That's probably not the right word, but I don't know what the right word would be. Maybe shocking? I don't know. But take take it as you will it's it catches me off guard the nudity in this movie caught me off guard i guess especially when she comes out later in front of the guy who finds her i don't feel like it's disrespectful type of stuff like it's not flashy or anything we're like, no we're way past that point in her career like right this is like Charlize where she has won an oscar years ago where she is an established movie star we are 30 movies into her career this is Charlize saying i want to get naked for this part it's empowering it's character building i think the only maybe point where you could say it's excessive in theory is after she's picked up by carlos or maybe he works with carlos i don't know the mexican guy picks her up and by showing her the most base level of human decency, even though to the audience, you see that he's been stalking her for a while, so you think that there's like something sinister at play here, that just by picking her up, she changes in front of him and then walks toward him with her breasts out. And that might, you could sort of see that as maybe excessive, but it also 
that also highlights how broken she is. Yeah. That, like, this guy did almost nothing for her, and she's ready to give her body to him because that's the only way that she can, I guess, maybe feel something, mm-hmm. or maybe that she just or doesn't feel anything ever, and is like, oh, this is what he would want, and I can give it to him because it's not going to impact me. I don't know. Yeah, I'm reading that she actually was an executive producer on this. Ah, there you go. You know what's funny? I uh, Because of the way that the movie was told, I thought that the guy sort of somewhat like stalking her was Santiago, the guy who ended up, she ended up having the kid with. I actually thought that was him. Uh, I was like, oh, like, why is he looking for her? And what's this? But then because we never get a good look at him as an adult, like, you you know, he's got sunglasses on and a hat and then he's in a hospital bed. Yeah. So like, he's not even really in the mood. So like, that was to me like another twist when they're in her apartment i'm like oh it's not the kid like this is a this must be someone else or something like you know because i was just like the casting they're not really trying to match cast i feel for the future and stuff so i was like already whatever whoever could play whoever needs to be played as an adult they're just going for who's the better actor they're not just you know trying to match a look here or anything so that scene was like confusing and revelatory and all kinds of things for me and it was just another i guess example of catching me off guard like the movie did that to me a few times what else is there to say about this movie because like i think it's difficult to talk not difficult to talk about this movie but like difficult to maybe go deep on this movie because the story is so simple that the story is i think like we've said there's an affair jennifer lawrence decides to i guess she wants to like scare her mother or like i don't know exactly what the plan is maybe like happen by the trailer and be like oh no like there's a fire like mom i i know that you're in there like let's save ah. yeah i think her only plan was to was to get them both to run out of the trailer and, and for her to catch them both and i guess she didn't really have a plan after that yeah it seemed like excessive to me at that point like i actually thought it was just gonna end up being an accident but she, like when she goes and unattaches the gas line or whatever i was like what is she thinking and then she lights the trailer on fire like i wasn't sure like you know i wish we had a little more insight into that moment or behind it because up until that moment yeah you just think that maybe she's gonna jump in and surprise them and catch them or maybe like take pictures or because she's spying on them and it kind of took an excessive leap there with the with the fire but up until that point i was really with it because she's just a kid like kids don't always want to go to the authorities and or to an adult or won't always you know she doesn't tell her dad or anything you know what i'm saying like she's got all these brothers and sisters she doesn't talk to them about it you know we don't exactly know what she was planning except that she just wanted to catch them in the act i guess uh, and things just got way out of hand <laughs> i really liked kim basinger in this movie she really brought it, especially in that scene when she's talking about how she's a cancer survivor, her character is a cancer survivor, and the guy she's having an affair with is just, like, devoted to her and everything. Like, that scene, to me, was, like, super powerful. Just, like, sort of got to the center for me of, like, what this movie was, like, trying to say. And then and, and after that, it just, I don't know that it could really, not hold it together, but, like, it just didn't, it didn't maintain that for me. Like, that was sort of the peak for me, and then it was, like, not down downhill fast by any means like but yeah so slowly started losing its momentum for me yeah i know what you mean that i really felt the uh emotional weight uh during that scene and everything else it wasn't bad i wouldn't wouldn't call this movie bad but nothing really wowed me the uh, same way as as in that moment I, i feel like there's a certain part where everything has been revealed and they don't really save any twists so much for the end i don't know does the explosion happen like at the very end or i mean that right like there's still like 20 minutes left it happens 
toward the end. Towards yeah, I said like the maybe end. three quarters of the way through the movie. Everything I feel is like pretty much laid out on the table for you. You could piece everything together. I wish they sort of saved maybe something else for like the last like five minutes or something. But as it is, still I still liked it. I, I don't know that I'd ever rewatch it or anything. But for what it was, I wasn't expecting it to be as good. Like I really like the cinematography. Like there's just some shots in this, like the opening shot of like the burning trailer, but also some of the crop dusting shots. And then when she's yep. when she's like standing by the sea, when she's contemplating her jumping and stuff. Like I don't know. There's really just nice framing. And so Mike, it shouldn't come as a surprise then that the cinematographer of this is basically Paul Thomas Anderson's cinematographer. No kidding. He shot There Will Be Blood, Inherent Vice, Boogie Nights, Magnolia, Punch Drunk Love. Wow. He also shot Nightcrawler, Ooh. Ghost Protocol, <laughs> Rogue Nation, Hard Eight, Born Legacy. Like, this wow. guy shoots action. He shoots really good movies. He shot 8mm. I mean, huh. this guy gets it. He also shot Gili, so maybe he's not always you know, successful <laughs> in what he does. But, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, like, that's it. The movie does look really nice. And uh, one of the uh, composers was uh, Hans Zimmer. Oh. Yes. Mm-hmm. I saw that, too. That's pretty pretty powerful behind the behind the camera. There's very little music in this, too, and I, I like that about it. It just sort of um, gives it more of, like, a realism to it, I guess, for some, some parts. I like that. I don't know. That that was just uncommon, I feel like, in a lot of stuff. Like, sometimes films just feel like they have to be wall-to-wall score or needle drops or whatever, and uh, I, I just kind of appreciated this movie not needing to use music to inhibit your emotions that way. Like, I really feel like it relied on the acting and the um, circumstance and all of that, and then it was just let the actors you know emote that and it's not there's not it's kind of a quiet movie like there's not a whole lot of dialogue you know a lot of it is just expressions i feel and like yeah. things yeah. like that and and for a film like that i think it's it's okay like it does that pretty well do you wish the movie would have shown the end when sylvia and you know, santiago reunite or is that one of those things that's uh, better left unshown yeah i liked that well they do they're in the room together at one point and she does the whole confession she actually confesses to him while he's unconscious right i like that and yeah i felt that that was the more powerful ending uh, you know the uncertainty maybe or the last yeah i i, I like i enjoyed the last image because to me it was more about uh, and it's not and the movie wasn't even entirely about this to me which i feel like it could have been more about but i feel like at that moment it was more about the daughter forgiving her or accepting her or at least giving her a shot rather than the father because i feel like by santiago being like go find your mom it was he was already willing to forgive her or take her back yeah. or whatever i got i got a cage connection in here oh a good one too the guy who plays Jennifer Lawrence and Charlize's dad is is Brett Cullen, and he played Nicolas Cage's father in Ghost Rider. Oh, yeah, he's, that guy's been in everything. Yeah, I thought he looked familiar. Everything. He was Barton Blaze in Ghost Rider mm. One. So he dies. Yeah, he's the, yeah he dies on <laughs> that trip. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was thinking, I know I've seen him somewhere. He looks kind of like Robert Patrick, but he's not Robert Patrick. <laughs> now that you say it, uh, it, it instantly clicked. I'm trying to see if there's anything else. Like, I feel like I might already be out of notes about this movie. Like, <laughs> I like this movie. I have it right now 15th out of 30 mm-hmm. for Charlize, which isn't great, but it's still better than a lot of her terrible movies. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ranked the last couple movies. I've just been in, like, a daze about it. <laughs> just like, uh, I got to think a little longer on these and just let them sit with me more and then 
figure it out later. I'll figure it out at the end, I think. I guess the one other thing I want to talk about is when she's sitting by the bed of her comatose baby daddy, for lack of a better word, she has a little bit of like an Oscar moment where she's like, you're not going to die, are you? Because if you die, I wouldn't know what to do with her. I can barely look her in the eyes. She needs you. I need you. I'm so scared. And I was like, that's a good moment, but I feel like it's, I don't know if it's earned. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I liked that confession. Yeah, you're right. I like the moment. I'm not. I'm not sure either. And I think it's because of what we were saying sort of earlier. Is that future Charlize or present Charlize? Is, I don't know. Like, is, there just isn't more of it. Like, we're not. I don't feel like we're with her long enough. I understand her in the future, but I, I want to be with her more. I guess. I don't. I don't know. There seems to also be for me a, a shift where one minute she doesn't want anything to do with her daughter, and then the next minute she has to go find her daughter and it's like i feel like we're missing a little bit of motivation there too but you're right joey i think it might have something to do with the fact that we're i am at least more connected to the younger version of the character of this movie yep. than the older version yeah i didn't totally buy it when she said i need you because uh, he's been such a little part of her life since all that happened uh, i did buy you know her trying to reconnect w- with her daughter in, in that way but that extra bit just seemed a, a little bit tacked on to me i didn't mind it i just feel like there's like that's the boom mo- that's the moment that the movie's building to but we just don't know that it's building to that until it's very late in the movie. Like, we don't know that she was pregnant. We don't know that she gave up a baby. I guess you can maybe kind of infer some of it, but the movie doesn't come out and tell you what's going on, what the actual moment of, like, emotion is going to be or is supposed to be until maybe the last half hour, which I guess is, on one hand, okay, but it feels like a reversal in a movie that, like, and not a reversal in, like, a, oh, here's a twist. It's like a, oh, here's a different story that we want to tell. And it just sort of feels not sloppy, but just questionably misdirected. Yeah, it doesn't feel to me like a traditional, like, American type of movie the way information is sort of revealed like i feel like there's okay so like here's what i guess i'm getting at i feel like there's points in the movie where it's like okay if you haven't figured it out yet here's what's going on and then like a little while longer it's like okay if you haven't figured that out yet we're gonna drop some more hints about it because you you can sort of figure out that girl's her daughter and then it's actually before the younger version sleeps with that boy so it's like okay you know she's gonna get pregnant in that timeline this is getting kind of hard to explain too going back and forth (laughs) i mean it's 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 easier to just watch it i guess but like maybe it just shows without telling a little too much maybe that's the problem like show don't tell is what you want to do but you don't want to overdo it and i think there's points in this movie that might overdo it without telling you what's going on at times like i think it it really i don't know like i think it gives the audience the benefit of the doubt though but maybe a little too much because i had moments where i was like yeah who's this guy what's what's the relations here i was disoriented from time to time and i don't think it was intentional i think it was supposed to be i hope you know you're still following me along right so at times yeah it's not it's not perfect with what it does it gets a little mixed up but i think for the most part it sustains itself like it only really crumbles in like the third act and even then it's not like a house of cards crumbling like quickly i feel like it's just like slowly little bricks are are sort of falling off the top of it it almost feels like a proto version of the movie the guy wants to make but like if he had written other movies before this it feels like he should have been able to execute better i don't know like i feel like there's a good version of this out there it just isn't necessarily this movie maybe if a seasoned director had done it you know maybe if this wasn't his first it's it's very 
com- finding out this was his first movie makes like first directed feature right is yeah. understandable now it's a lot to take on for a first feature like this it's not like like it makes sense that the story is sort of simplistic but that the structure is so complex for a first-time director i probably would have expected it to be told linear or you know less less fractured you almost wonder if alejandro in your e2 had been a director that it would have been a little bit more polished probably i think that's a good call absolutely I do want to point out that I was looking up to see if this movie was nominated for any awards. It was nominated for small awards, but I just found out that there is apparently an award show called the AARP Movies for Grownups Awards, <laughs> which is a thing. And Kim Basinger won Best Supporting Actress in this movie, beating out Imelda Staunton from Taking Woodstock, Marsha Gay Harden for Whip It, Judy Dench for Nine, and Susan Sarandon for The Lovely Bones. But these these categories are crazy. There's like, there's Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Comedy, Best Director, fine. But there's like Best Grown-Up Love Story, Best Movie for Grown-Ups, which Invictus won that year. What? what? Like, why? <laughs> so like, you can't nominate like a Marvel film for that because is it considered Considered not These are adult. basically all, for lack of a better word, they're all boring movies. <laughs> I, I hear that. That's weird. I mean, especially since like I have the MTV Movie Awards on in the background, and they're known for like the most obtuse categories ever. Like they started with like out the gate, they're like best kiss, best fight, best on screen chemistry. It's like where like these are great, but where did you come from? And now we have the adult awards show that isn't like triple x adult stuff like i've heard of like the porn adult awards but like the adult movie awards that aren't pornos like that's just confusing that's uh, why they call the category uh, movies for grown-ups and not movies for adults <laughs> yes I'm still confused. I'm still confused. Jeremy, we have a we have a we have a game that we play in here. But before we get to the game, uh, is there anything else you want to say about this movie? It is it is well acted. Yeah, like you said, the cinematography. I, I think it's written well. I just think the uh, way the story is told uh, could have been cleaned up a, a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. And Mike, any other last thoughts about the burning plane? I think I may have liked it more because of the other stuff we've watched during throne um right you know ever since i rated it i dropped it half a star i have it at three now on letterbox and i think it's going to stick around there i think it's right around there for me as like a you know if i'm going to just rate it as a movie and not part of this program or anything either it kind of loses itself like towards the end like it almost just like becomes less interesting i guess once everything is sort of laid out on the table but i enjoyed i really enjoyed the first act and the second act it's, i really i don't know i liked it like i wasn't expecting to like it this much i would recommend it i don't think this is something i'm going to watch over and over again but i think it's got some really strong performances i think if you're a jennifer lawrence fan you're going to want to see this movie if you all you really know her from is like katniss or you know mystique and stuff like i implore you check out this check out winter's bone you know red sparrow like other stuff that she's not doing young adult stuff and things like i feel like she's a very powerful actor her playing young charlize even though visually i didn't buy it i bought it character like emotionally and stuff like i think she's she's strong enough to hang in the likes of charlize like because charlize is such a great actor too and she's doing some really interesting stuff here i think for what it is it's it's pretty good i was pleasantly surprised today watching it well there we go 
So we have an email address here on the show, watch at canesclub.me. If you want to email us your thoughts about the show, about the movies, about Charlize, whatever you want to read or whatever you want to send, we will read on air. No emails today, but send us an email, watch at cageclub.me. We are now recording these closer to the release date, so you won't have to wait weeks and weeks to hear your thoughts on air. Can I say something really quick before we move on? Because this will come out. We've just released a new Cage Club episode. 211, yes. right? So 211 will be out by now. After having watched that movie, I'm not saying I owe Stuart Townsend an apology. Oh, right, right, right. I'm yes, just yes, saying yes, yes. I might have been a little too rough on him in, in the <laughs> past. It could get so much worse. It, I, I just wasn't aware. You know, my perception has been expanded. I feel like Doctor Strange was like, come over here a second. Let me, let me show you how bad it can get. Um, but yeah, so I just want to say before we move on, I would have written in, you know, maybe I was a little too hard on Stuart in the past. I, I still love you him, think? but you know. <laughs> While you're apologizing, do you want to apologize for any other movies that you might have trashed on the show, that, specifically one in particular? Oh, well, that, that come on, that tour's ended. I've already come around on... Uh... Reunion tour, baby! Do it again! Bring it back! No, well, maybe uh, at the very, very end. Well, I have to rewatch it first, but Waking Up in Reno, I'm gonna rewatch you. You know how I feel out there. <laughs> it's wonderful. Okay, email us, watch at cageclub.me. Let us know what you think of Stuart Townsend. Let us know what you think of 211 by Nicolas Cage. Terrible, terrible movie. Do not watch it. But anyway, we have a game here. We, uh, Jeremy, we've had a few different games. The one that we are currently playing is that this movie is going to, or this this episode comes out next Friday as we're recording this. Okay. So the big release in theaters is going to be Sicario 2 Soledad. What we're going to try to do, there's a little flexibility here. How would you, and you can either go first if you have an idea, or if you want to wait and think about it, you can we, you can let me and Mike go first. How would you take the Charlize character from this movie and put her in the world of Sicario, or, flexibility in this movie, take the Jennifer Lawrence character, because it's a young Charlize, and put her in the Sicario world, or, if neither of those really feel right to you, how would you take Charlize Theron as an actress and put her in the Sicario world. I don't know much about Sicario 2 Soledad. I know that Emily Blunt is not in it, in which case I feel like there is a very big opportunity for a strong female presence in this film. With those rules, and there's Jeremy, there's no right or wrong answers. Do you have an idea, or do you want to sort of wait a second and let me and Mike sort of stumble through our own ideas for this, and then want to go afterwards? So you want to go first, or do you want to go, like, later? I already have, I mean, there's already a, a, a built-in idea, the fact that the Jennifer Lawrence character, they go to Mexico. True. Oh. So how would you, how would you sort of uh, work her character? Just, like, flesh it out just a tiny bit more. I really like that idea. How would the Jennifer Lawrence character go into Mexico maybe to give birth to the baby? How would she interact with, say, Benicio Del Toro or Josh Brolin or whatever? Like, in, in what way does that all weave together? I think I'm going to let you guys okay. go first with that one. I got one idea. Okay. And I love I love that they got Benicio Del Toro back. I just, he is... It's amazing how he can be like either hilarious in one movie or just as scary as possible in the other movie. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna go with I don't know much about the sequel. I love the original, but what I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of make up what I think the sequel's about sure. for a second. Brolin hires Benicio del Toro to do something, you know, like take someone okay. out, and the job goes south. So Benicio del Toro kidnaps Josh Brolin's sister, played by Charlize Theron. Okay, and is like 
totally unprepared for the fact that she's like an ex-Navy SEAL and they have like kick-ass like shootouts and a car chase and so she's escaping Benicia Del Toro to get back to Josh Brolin while he's coming to rescue her and then when he gets there it's like she is like in the middle of killing Benicia Del Toro and he's like (laughs) I came to help and she's like I don't need your help (laughs) just like that's the end of the movie (laughs) I like it I just have an idea so Taylor Sheridan, who wrote Sicario, who I don't know if he's involved in Sicario 2, also wrote and I believe directed Wind River. Yeah, great And movie. in Wind River, there is a very, very tense scene outside of a trailer. And I don't want to go too much further into that, but there is a very tense scene in the snowy wilderness and they're around a trailer. So in my mind, Charlize Theron, maybe the trailer doesn't blow up or maybe there's some kind of alternate reality where the trailer, maybe it's before, and Charlize Theron goes back to the trailer to sort of you know, remember the days of yore in Sicario 2, obviously, similar to Wind River, similar to the crossing the border scene of the first Sicario, Benicio and Josh Brolin, all these armed guys are moving in on the trailer because they think that there's something else in there. (laughs) And then it's just Charlize and shit breaks bad in a hurry. And I don't know how she gets out of it, but she gets out of it. That's, I just see that trailer as like this Taylor Sheridan-esque landscape set piece, whatever. Charlize returns there. Maybe she's trying to find the piece together, the fragments of her youth. And she goes back there and then just guys with very heavy you know, machine guns start creeping in on the, on the trailer. <laughs> I like the imagery there. Joey, you know what's crazy? We went this whole episode and we were talking about Charlize Theron and trailers and I didn't once mention that Kramer movie. Where Trial and error. <laughs> Trial and error. If we were still playing the game where we were connecting the universe, oh, absolutely. this would be the trailer that she pulls over the side of the road and decides to live in that exact spot where she gets a flat tire and then like later down the line it would blow up and catch fire yep so jeremy do you have any other because i really do like your idea a lot do you have any other way to sort of flesh that out a little bit that she goes to mexico to maybe you know have the baby any way to sort of work that into the plot a little bit more if not it's totally okay but any any way to sort of expand upon that yeah here's an idea i have either before or after i'm not sure during that time period where she has the baby she needs money so uh for one reason or another has to do a job for either Benicio or Josh. Years later, she's uh, trying to get her life together and she gets a call from them and <laughs> and uh, she needs to do like one last job. <laughs> one more ride. I like, I like <laughs> that. Very cool. So the last segment on the show that we have is the Watch the Throne Awards, maybe called the Golden Wallpapers, maybe the Golden Teeth, maybe the Golden Corns on the Cob. We haven't talked about that yet, Mike. I say it every once in a while. I scream it out there. I say Golden Corn. So I don't know if this necessarily is good enough to nominate for Best Film, definitely not Worst Film, definitely not Best of the Worst or Wildly Inconsistent Tone. Uh, I want to jump to the end. One thing I want to for sure nominate is Jennifer Lawrence as Best Non-Charlie's Actress Slash Role. Actually, it's the same role. So, just best non-Charlize actor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's yeah, a first. That's it's the same role, but she's also, yeah, she's Very definitely... Very true. Yeah, I wish almost... Uh, I actually like that Kim Basinger isn't in more of this, because they're just whatever she's doing just rings stronger for me but if she was in longer than this if she was in this longer i would nominate her maybe because i just never saw her as like a serious dramatic actor like i mean she did la confidential she's great in that she's great in batman she's great in everything like she has her style but like i never 
just seen her reach like this before and I was just like wow yeah J-Law is awesome like you can just tell from so early on that she's got it especially when you watch a movie like this and then see like a talk show interview you're like oh yeah she is acting her ass off in these movies yeah and again I would like to recommend uh, Poker House which is uh, from the same year it's directed by Lori Petty oh no way connection huh yeah and it stars Selma Blair and a very young Chloe Moretz oh okay 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 how did this movie escape our knowledge? I have no idea. <laughs> Do we want to nominate anything in this for worst love story, which I feel is maybe a little bit strong. Um, it's not that bad. It's tra- like it's if we had like a most tragic because like the thing is like it's not that it's like poor like it's so weird. Like it's so hard to really say like I don't want to say it's healthy, you know? It's definitely not healthy, but yeah, I don't know. But most uh, fucked up love story? <laughs> Because there's like two of them in this, and they're all just like crazy. <laughs> what I do want to nominate is for best non-Charlie's death, Kim Basinger. What's his name? I oh, I never, I never got his name, but I know him from Desperado. He's like the kingpin, the Mexican drug lord in Desperado. Whoa, hold on. There's a guy. Bucho. There's a guy. Is he also in the Keanu movie with the uh, wine? Well, hold on. So he's Bucho in Desperado. Yeah. Who is he, though? The question is, who is he in in Fast Fast Five? Yeah, yes. He's in Fast Five. He's the guy that, isn't that the guy that she puts her hand, he, they need the handprints. So he puts his hand on Gal Gadot's butt to get, like, the fingerprints. Never send a man to do a woman's job. <laughs> That's crazy. They're not Reyes. He's also in Shay, so there's a little bit of a Soderbergh connection there. So, yeah, so I'm going to say Kim Basinger, and what's this guy's name? Joaquim Joaquim de Alameda? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Butchering that. Die in a fiery explosion. Embraced. They had to cut him apart. Yeesh. Exploding trailer. <laughs> Just such a weird way to go. <laughs> you want to nominate this for best cinematography, Mike? Yeah, if we have that category still. We um, do. Okay, for now. For now. How for deep now. is that? Uh, you don't have to Three. read Three. It's okay, this, okay. Cider House, and Bagger Vance. Wow, I can't believe those two movies got nominated. I feel like we're going to cut this movie. I feel like yeah. cut the category. I feel, like that was a it, joke. I feel like that was a joke category just to <laughs> nominate those two for something. Um, is there anything else, Jeremy, that you think is of particular note of that's either really, really good or really, really bad about this movie that we should recognize? at the end of the run. I look through the categories we have now. I think we're pretty much good. But is there anything either of you think is noteworthy enough to nominate here at the end? Not much other than what you already have. I mean, there's not really a, a whole lot else to uh, say about this this movie. I will agree with that. I think we're right. pretty much exhausted it. There, there's just one more thing. I mean, it's uh, it's it's the most trivial thing. The um, director has the exact same birthday as my mom, date and year. Oh, oh wow. Well, that's interesting, cool. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so this movie has a special place in your heart for two different reasons. <laughs> or, or at least just Guillermo Arriaga. <laughs> <laughs> sure, absolutely. Well, Jeremy, thank you for being on this episode. You'll be back in a few weeks, probably about six weeks or so. Seven weeks, maybe. No, six weeks. Nope. Five weeks Whoa. for Snow White and the Huntsman. You will be back oh, for that. So cool. a little, little case two action cool. over there. So thank you for being here. We will look we look forward to having you back shortly. All right, I'll be looking forward to being back. It's going to cool. be a bit of a different type of movie, I think. Little bit, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Just a little bit. For all things Watch the Throne and all of our other shows, you can go to CageClub.me, Facebook.com/CageClub, or at CageClubPod on Twitter or Instagram. Email us. Watch at CageClub.me. Let us know what you think of the show of Charlize's movies. Did you see Gringo or Tully? I did not see either this year because we're going to watch them both in about two months. And I was like, why am I, in my very busy media life, going to watch these movies twice when I'm going to talk about it 
in a few months. Do I feel bad about that? Absolutely. Am I going to watch it a second time? Probably not. We will see. But Gringo and Tully <laughs> coming up soon on the show. So email us, watch cageclub.me, cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, at cageclubpod, on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Jeremy Kelly. And we'll see you next time on Watch the Throne.